Strong Opinion Sports is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 572. Welcome in. Uh, I want to be very clear. This will be a short episode. And unlike last time I said that, where I said, I think it's going to be short and it ended up being 120 or an hour and 20 minutes. This one really, truly is going to be a short episode. The focus of today's show, I'm recording on a Sunday morning. The focus will be Colorado against TCU, the incredible game that it was. I'm just going to nerd out, have fun, and talk about my favorite college football game I've watched in a long, long time. Uh, I also watched North Carolina against South Carolina. There were two big quarterbacks in that game. I'll talk about the quarterbacks. Um, I'm recording very early before number five LSU plays number eight Florida State. I realize that's a big game. It's not going to be included in this episode. Here's why. Uh, I am recording today on the last day that my girlfriend is in town. She leaves tomorrow morning. It's our last full day together. I live in Hawaii. She lives on the mainland. It will be the last time I see her until February. So... Uh, I'm going to get this recording done and then hang out with her, enjoy the rest of our time together. Uh, Later in the week, hopefully Monday, honestly, we'll talk about Florida State, LSU. I've got more stuff I want to talk about, but I can't get to everything today. I want to just talk about Colorado TCU. That's the main focus, and I feel like that's the thing I could talk about forever. I I mean, I feel like I have so much to say about uh, about TCU and Colorado. So uh, without further ado, first we got to pay the bills, and then we'll get into the rest of the show. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. On top of that, all customers who bet $5 will also get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I use YouTube TV. It's great. That's literally how I watch all of my football. I highly recommend it. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. That is FanDuel.com Boston. And kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, you must be 21 years or older and present in Massachusetts for this to apply. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, GameSenseMA.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The NFL Sunday ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. There are no refunds, and terms and embargoes apply. $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket, that is not $100 off of YouTube TV. The YouTube TV base plan is required to watch YouTube TV. Sunday Ticket is an add-on on top of that. You get $100 off of NFL Sunday Ticket, the YouTube TV add-on. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel 
anytime. Unsportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. On top of that, all customers who bet $5 will also get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I use YouTube TV. It's great. That's literally how I watch all of my football. I highly recommend it. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. That is FanDuel.com Boston. And kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, you must be 21 years or older and present in Massachusetts for this to apply. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The NFL Sunday ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. There are no refunds and terms and embargoes apply. $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket. That is not $100 off of YouTube TV. The YouTube TV base plan is required to watch YouTube TV. Sunday ticket is an add-on on top of that. You get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket, the YouTube TV add-on. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. All right, let's talk about Colorado. I watched Colorado upset number 17 TCU on Saturday. And uh, first of all, I want to say it was so much fun. I have not enjoyed a football game, let alone a college football game, that much in a long, long time. Like, first of all, when TCU threw an interception in the end zone, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh my gosh, can you believe what's happening? And as the game went on and on and on, and I realized not only is Colorado in this game, do they have a shot, they might win. I, I could not help from just being so engaged. It was so fun. And uh, it really felt like, to be honest, we were watching the beginning of something really special. I, I mean, I don't remember Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. I really don't. It was before my time. Basically, as long as I've been following football, Nick Saban has been a dominating force at Alabama, winning for years and years and years. But uh, I guess that's not true because I, I watched the Saints 2006, and that was right after Nick Saban had left New Orleans. But I, I mean, my, my point is, I don't remember year one of Alabama uh, with Nick Saban. Basically, as long as I remember, they were a great football team. This might be, this feels like the beginning of something special with Deion Sanders. Whether he finishes career, he coaches his entire college career at Colorado, or maybe moves on somewhere else to a bigger program with even more money, I don't know. But it's certainly, I got goosebumps watching, feeling like, hey, we're watching something truly special. The beginning of Deion Sanders potentially dominating college football the same way we might talk about Nick Saban. And it's kind of funny, there was an Affleck commercial with Nick Saban and Deion Sanders sharing a stage. It's so fascinating to me. It was all about Deion. And I just had the time of my life watching him help his college football program take on TCU. And I was watching this game with my girlfriend where, you know, it's a bit funny. The reality is no one knew what to expect from Colorado. Like they were 20 point underdogs. 
But how can you know that when you just don't know what kind of product they're going to put on the field? Like Vegas, their money line, sometimes you just don't know. You have no idea. And I was telling my girlfriend, trying to explain to her like the, the meaning of this moment. She gets football to some degree, knows what a touchdown is. She understands fourth and long, that kind of stuff. But I'm like, look, Deion Sanders is a guy who, when he played, was named primetime. People literally would avoid throwing to his side of the field because he was such a good corner. Now he's coach prime. Legendary player, NFL Hall of Famer. Last year coached at Jackson State, coached a couple years there at an HBCU school, a lower level of college football. He jumped up to Colorado, the highest level of college football, and then changed everything. They've got three returning starters from last year, 68 new scholarship players at Colorado. Last year, Colorado was 1-11, and now... In this game on Saturday, they were taking on number 17 TCU, who went to the national title last year. And that the gravity of that moment, when you can say all that, hey, Dion's first game against the team that went to the national title last year, on the road, in extreme heat, and in Dion's first game with the program of Colorado, he beat TCU 45-42. to it's just so dang cool. And there's so many storylines. I, I feel like I hope I can get to all of them. I've got a ton of notes here. But the number one thing that actually stood out to me during this game was not Shedder Sanders, Dylan Edwards, Travis Hunter. To me, the surprising thing is that we learned Dion is not just a great recruiter. He talks a lot. We know he's going to get good players to come play for him in Colorado. But what stood out to me was actually the discipline of Colorado. Week one of college football, I watched a lot of teams really struggle with penalties, you know, procedural penalties, where it's false starts, illegal formations, too many guys on the field, a lot of stuff that you're trying to clean up early on during your college football season. Colorado did not appear to have these problems. They had one penalty in the first half. It was unbelievable to me. The lack of penalties, the lack of mistakes or problems in Colorado really stood out, especially when you watched TCU have 10 penalties. I watched Florida against Utah week one kind of, you know, fall apart and have penalty after penalty. Colorado looked really well coached. They had high level effort from everybody, discipline. And Colorado did the difficult and gritty things really well. Like running backs were blocking. Dylan Edwards, a running back who had four touchdowns in the game, was blocking incredibly well pass protecting for their quarterback shooter Sanders. Receivers were blocking on the perimeter. Guys who had 100 yards receiving were doing the gritty, difficult stuff that players don't like to do, blocking on the perimeter. It's that kind of stuff. It not only showed that Colorado's well-coached, they're going to call good plays and put their players in good positions to succeed, but the players have fully bought into what Deion Sanders is selling. The execution was incredible. I, I just... All the talk about, you know what, we don't know if it's going to work. They brought in a ton of players in the transfer portal. It might take a while for Colorado to settle in and figure out how to play together. The reality is they played fantastic together, and that has to go. The credit has to be given to Colorado's coaching staff for getting the players ready to go. It's just so impressive to me. I love to see it. And it's not just a collection of really talented players at Colorado. No, no, no. This is a high-level football team that's really well-coached. They're disciplined. They're well-coached. They're going to be in the right spot. They're going to do the right things. They're not going to shoot themselves in the foot, making dumb mistakes, having dumb penalties. There were a couple penalties. In the second half, there were more penalties for Colorado. But I was shocked. 
aside from, hey, they're in the game, they end up winning, all this other stuff, the fact that they didn't have a bunch of mistakes, they didn't have any self-inflicted wounds, where TCU did. A lot of programs I watched during college football week one had a lot of mistakes that were self-inflicted wounds, and we didn't see Colorado do that. And to take a new team, basically, with a bunch of players coming from all over the place to come play in Colorado, they've never played together before, and have them look so cohesive and like they're on the same page— that speaks to the coaching staff at Colorado and the preparation they did to get their team ready. That's amazing to me. Aside from winning, aside from all the other stuff, the fact that they were all on the same page so well and so disciplined, that's incredible. Now, there are three names you need to learn if you don't know them already. Number one is Shadur Sanders. Number two is Travis Hunter. And number three is Dylan Edwards. Number one to me actually is not the quarterback. It's Travis Hunter. The receiver and corner who I cannot get enough of. I love this young man. He played all game long at corner and at receiver. He was a shutdown corner. He was a playmaking receiver. He had an interception on defense, on offense. He had 11 catches for 119 yards. I have never seen anything like that in my entire life. He played 129 snaps during this game. And not only is, like, a starter on offense and defense, he's arguably their best player on offense and defense. It's unbelievable. He had one interception, could have had two. He dropped one but made a great play on the ball. He had two amazing catches that were ruled out of bounds that you're like, that's incredible, I can't believe that. He almost had a second interception, like I mentioned, but to play an entire game running routes at receiver and, I mean, Joel Cloud, the broadcaster, kept pointing out, the conditioning level is insane. To be running routes as a receiver, then playing defense and running vertically following receivers at corner, I just have never seen anything like that. And to me, Travis Hunter immediately is a Heisman Trophy candidate. If he can play both sides of the ball at a high level all year long, I don't really care what a quarterback does or what other people do in the country. That's the number one player in college football. If Travis Hunter can duplicate what he did week one against TCU and do that all year, play at a high level on offense and defense all season long, he should win the Heisman. That's the most impressive thing I've probably ever seen in my life watching college football. Now, we also got to talk about Colorado's quarterback, Shadur Sanders. He is also a Heisman Trophy candidate after week one. Shadur is Deion Sanders' son. He's the quarterback. It's so cool. In his first ever game at Colorado, he broke the school record for passing yards in a single game. He was 38 for 47 passing, had 510 yards through the air, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And what stands out, he had a couple throws here and there where, like, he underthrew a deep ball at one point. Like, he missed a couple, like, little things where, like, that's a slightly inaccurate throw. But what really stood out to me, he was nearly perfect as a decision maker. There is not one throw I can look back on watching the game or taking notes the entire time, there was no throw that stood out as like, ooh, that's a terrible decision. You should have done this, you should have done that. There was like one time where he took a sack, where he ran out of bounds and lost three yards. He probably should have just thrown the ball away. But he never, ever, ever, somehow Shadur Sanders played basically a perfect game. He never put the ball in harm's way. And like, you can become a better thrower, you can be more accurate as a passer, but decision-making is everything. And... To have the right guy running their system at Colorado is a game changer, and it's just incredible to me. He was dropping dimes, too. I mean, there were a couple throws down the sideline 
that Colorado receivers couldn't hang on to that were perfect throws. I mean, he could have had even more than 510 yards. So, uh, man, the quarterback situation at Colorado is really exciting. Shadur Sanders, he was impressive at Jackson State last year. I didn't know what to make of him. I mean, I really, like, I was just kind of like, we are got to wait and see, because, yeah, he was playing great at an HBCU program against lower-level competition. How is he going to play at the highest level of college football, Division I? Uh, pretty dang good. He looks fantastic. It was unbelievable, and he just looked prepared. And to me, what really stands out about Shadur Sanders is actually the belief his dad had in him, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, talks a lot. He says a lot of stuff, and I don't think it, people have caught you know caught on to this yet. I don't think he regularly tears other people down, but he believes in himself, and his message regularly is, I'm him. I'm going to do well. We're coming. We're great. It's always talking about what he's going to do really, really well. And Saturday backed up everything Deion Sanders has ever said throughout the entire time leading up to this game. Colorado, ever since he joined Colorado— his mouth has been moving a lot. He's been saying a lot of stuff, promising they would play well, they're going to make plays, they're going to be great. And one thing that Dion said was from day one, he said his kid, Shadur Sanders, would be QB1 at Colorado. And can you imagine if they came out week one against TCU and Shadur Sanders kind of sucked and Colorado gets blown out? I mean, it would be a massive blow to Deion Sanders. He's spoken so highly of his son. He said so confidently, confidently they're going to be great. If you come out and lay an egg, it's a problem and you lose all your credibility. But instead, the opposite happened. This performance, winning this game, was everything. And it's going to confirm not only to recruits who want to join Colorado in the future, but Colorado's program now have confirmation, hey, our coach knows what he's talking about. He tells us we're going to be great, tells us we're going to make plays, we're going to change everything, and uh, yeah, we believe him now. Not that they didn't believe him before, but now that they've been there, they've done it, they've won a game, they upset TCU, now they've got some confidence, and I think it's just going to, they're going to ride this wave for a long time. It's so cool, but uh, again, to me, it stands out that Dion spoke so highly of his son all leading up to this game, I believe in him. He's going to be awesome. And his son backed up everything his dad ever said about it, which is just like, what a cool story. Father, son. I, I just, I don't think I even properly said that. My girlfriend's watching with me. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe you don't realize Shadur Sanders, that's Deion Sanders' son. His son is the starting quarterback. It's so cool. I'm just, I'm blown away. It was amazing. And on top of that, I mentioned this a minute ago, but during the game, there were all these Deion Sanders commercials. He was sharing a stage with Nick Saban on Affleck commercials. There was an Almond commercial, I remember, where he's wearing this, like, really cool robe. Uh, and it felt like every third commercial was Deion Sanders. So you were just getting bombarded all game long with Deion, 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 Deion. It's the best recruiting pitch I could have ever imagined. Any recruit who's considering going to Colorado that watches that game was like, yeah, I'm going. And I, I really think he already stole some recruits from high-level college football programs. And in fact, even last year at Jackson State, he took Travis Hunter, who was the number one recruit in the country, and got him to join Jackson State rather than go to the Alabamas or the LSUs or the Ohio States. But I really think if you're a young player in high school getting ready to go to college football and Nick Saban calls you or Dion calls you, 
we're at the point where I know it's week one. I don't want to totally overreact, but people are going to start saying, I'm going to go play for Dion. There's something special going on there. And recruiting wise, it was a massive deal to beat TCU and not only beat TCU, but have Dion's face plastered on every commercial break. It was incredible. Um, now, another name you have to learn, in case you don't know it, is Dylan Edwards, the running back at Colorado. He's a true freshman. He just got to Colorado. This is a young dude in his first ever year playing college football. No red shirt, nothing. He had four total touchdowns week one against TCU. It's unbelievable. He had six carries for 24 yards and a touchdown. He had five catches for 135 yards and three touchdown catches. 159 total yards, four touchdowns. The dude, Dylan Edwards, is explosive. And I heard a lot of stuff. Hey, Travis Hunter's a Heisman Trophy candidate. Shadur Sanders is a Heisman Trophy candidate. I'm not saying Dylan Edwards should, you know, is necessarily, but man, like, this is a dude's a playmaker. And if he does this all year long, four touchdowns a game, he's also going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And the fact that not only did... Colorado have high-level playmakers. These are young men. These are guys early in their college career. Travis Hunter's a sophomore. Dylan Edwards is a true freshman. It's, it's amazing. And another guy that deserves a lot of credit, maybe a name you don't know. Sean Lewis is the Colorado offensive coordinator. He spent five years as the head coach, uh, as the head coach of Kent State. He stepped down in December last year and then joined Colorado to become their offensive coordinator. Look, Sean Lewis in five years at Kent State went 24 and 31. A lot of ugly years. That's a hard place to recruit at. Not a great part of the country to live in. And also just a difficult place to win football games. If I was Sean Lewis, I would be in no hurry at all to leave Colorado. That's a sweet gig. Being the offensive coordinator for Deion Sanders, where he's going to recruit at a really high level, give you incredible players to work with. Boulder's a great place to live. And you don't have the same pressure of being a head coach. I know a lot of people want the responsibility of being a head coach, but being a head coach at a low-level Division I program like Kent State, that's a difficult job because how do you get high-level recruits? You don't. People don't want to go there. People don't want to play there. So you're always dealing with second-rate talent. It's hard to win. There's not a lot of funding. I hope to see Sean Lewis be the offensive coordinator at Colorado for more than just a year. Be there for a couple of years. Don't just leave at the first head coaching job you get. I'd like to see Sean Lewis coach there with Colorado and Deion Sanders for a long time and recognize the opportunity you get by partnering with Deion and the players you get to work with. Build your name, build your reputation. Maybe go be a head coach again someday, but also Sean Lewis is never going to be as good of a recruiter as Deion is. So he's never going to get the recruits and the players that Deion Sanders is. And I just, sometimes you're not Batman. Sometimes you're Robin. I love the idea of Sean Lewis being self-aware and saying, I got a good gig here, highly paid. I can run the offense. I can take care of stuff. He's going to deal with recruiting, get me great players. I would love to see Sean Lewis be self-aware and stay at Colorado for a couple of years. And he did a fantastic job week one against TCU. I was blown away by the play calling. Early in the game, there was a third and goal on the four-yard line. They got a touchdown. It was a great play call. Um, And then down the stretch, TCU and Colorado – were trading touchdowns. There were six touchdowns in a row, back to back to back to back to back. And it really, it felt like, hey, whoever has the ball last in this football game is going to be the team to win. Didn't actually work out that way, but there was a big memorable play to me that really stands out. Fourth and two on the 46-yard line, four minutes and 25 seconds left. Colorado, they need a first down here. 
not only did, did they get a first down, they threw a 46-yard touchdown pass to Dylan Edwards, and I was like, that's an incredible play call. Like, that's so, I mean, dude, man, over and over again, third down, fourth down, in important moments, he made the exact right play call. Sean Lewis, round of applause. Hey, please do not be in a hurry to leave Colorado because it is so fun to watch you work with Dion and the players they have there. TCU did not play great. I think the storyline here is not only that Colorado is impressive and surprised everybody. I can't believe they won. It's so fun. But also the TCU, they didn't play great, man. Their quarterback, Chandler Morris, had a couple misses. Not only he threw two interceptions in the red zone. One was caught in the end zone by Trevor Woods, the only returning starter, by the way, in Colorado's defense, which Trevor Woods, there's got to be a cool story there. I don't know exactly what it is. That's a player someday I would love to interview because he chose to stay at Colorado. He didn't transfer out. And that's a risky thing to do when you are not only a, yeah, he's a great player and was a starter last year at Colorado, but Dion said, no one's job is safe. I'm bringing a bunch of new players in here. Everyone's going to have to compete. Trevor Woods decided to stay at Colorado and not only stay, he's a safety on Deion Sanders' defense. The secondary on a Deion Sanders football team is always going to be a high-level point of emphasis because Deion Sanders was a corner in the NFL, a high-level, incredible corner at that. So your secondary is a focal point. And if Trevor Woods wasn't a great player, he would not be playing at Colorado. So he took a risk. He stayed at Colorado. Not only did he win his starting job back, he also had an interception in the end zone in their first game against TCU. That's a cool story right there. I would love to interview him someday and get the behind the scenes on that decision to stay at Colorado. And that's just really cool to me. The other interception that Chandler Morris threw was on a flat route where Travis Hunter made an incredible play. The Colorado corner jumped the flat route, picked it off. It looked open. It was open until it very quickly was not. Um... Chandler Morris, though, he made a couple of good plays. He had a really nice 19-yard touchdown run on a quarterback keep zone read play. Um, but what stood out is he had opportunities downfield and often actually missed. And, you know, the thing I thought was he's certainly no—what's the name of the—why can't I remember the name of that quarterback who was incredible? I got to look it up. I can't remember. Max Duggan. He's no Max Duggan. Like, you know, he just—as much as I loved uh, TCU last year— their quarterback was special. He was the heart and soul of the team. He played with so much grit and fought so hard. And Chandler Morris, he's just not Max Duggan, man. And um, I don't think he's as good. I think he struggled in game one. I, I realized that Colorado actually has a really good secondary with great players everywhere. One is one of their starting safety. Other than Trevor Woods is Deion Sanders' other son. You've got Travis Hunter at corner. I mean, they are loaded in the secondary at Colorado. But still, Chandler Morris, you have to say it was underwhelming and actually disappointing from a TCU perspective. By the way, I want to talk about Travis Hunter a little more because as a receiver, Travis Hunter beat TCU's best corner, Josh Newton. Travis Hunter was truly special. He had a play where it it actually got, it was called for P.I. Travis Hunter caught the ball in the end zone, like it made this incredible catch despite being uh, interfered with by Josh Newton, TCU's best corner, who's potentially an NFL corner. Travis Hunter makes this incredible catch despite P.I. He gets ruled out of bounds, but it was like, man, he beat you, dude. It's He's winning on offense and on defense, and you have to acknowledge Travis Hunter is truly a special player both on offense and on defense. And I just love that he chose to follow. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. He he chose to follow Deion Sanders to Colorado. And not only that, he chose Deion last year when he could have gone to Alabama, could have gone basically to any college in the country, and he chose instead to go to Jackson State, a small HBCU program. And everyone thought, why would Travis Hunter go there with Dion? This is why. If anyone understands what it's like to be a two-way player, playing offense and defense, be an elite shutdown corner, it's Deion Sanders, the coach at Colorado. And I, I just can't imagine a more perfect coach for Travis Hunter than Deion Sanders. It's really special. It's really cool to see. And, you know, it, it's funny that after following Dion to Jackson State, then following him to Colorado, after one game at Colorado, Travis Hunter is immediately both a superstar and a Heisman Trophy candidate. That's not a coincidence. That's not an accident. And uh, it's very cool to see. I just love how Dion treats his players. He's hugging them. He's relating to them on this personal level. Yes, he's their coach. They look up to him. But also, I get the sense that they're also working together. He's in charge. He's a man. They fall in line under him. But he does seem to talk to them at more of a peer-to-peer level than a traditional coach would where he talks down to them. It's such an interesting dynamic because while they follow him, they listen to him, he doesn't talk down to them, which is such a... I can't explain that dynamic. It's so interesting where, man, I need you. We got to work together. I just have never... It's a mix of what Mike McDaniel does really well at Miami where he talks to his players on a personal level that we're partners in this. But also, he's the alpha. Like he... I don't know if that even is the right word there, but they follow Dion because they trust him. They believe in him. When he speaks, they think he's right. And they've bought into what he says. And he's got high-level credibility because he's succeeded at every level of football he's been a part of it at. And uh, it's just cool. So it's truly just this really special coach-player relationship between Dion and all the guys at Colorado. And it, it's just, it's fun to watch. It's fun to witness. And I don't know how you could hate Dion after watching him interact with his players all game long on a sideline. By the way, did anyone see the moment where, ironically, the guy's last name was Sanders. TCU's running back Sanders got hurt. Trey Sanders got hurt for a moment. He was on the field down getting medical treatment. Dion not only went out and supported him, he's patting him on the shoulder, kind of encouraging him. He also then, Dion hugged TCU coach Sonny Dykes. And I just really, really believe that Dion talks a lot, but he does respect his, te- his opponents. And Dion, if you're very careful to listen to how he talks smack, I don't think he goes out of his way to tear people down or attack his opponents, but he always talks about how great he is. And that's so interesting to me. He believes in himself. It's a high level of confidence, but that moment showed me him hugging Sonny Dykes, him, you know, encouraging a really good running back at TCU, Trey Sanders, by the way, no relation there. Um, It was good sportsmanship. And I just don't know that Dion gets a lot of credit for the respect he has for the people he competes against. And I saw multiple times during that game, a high level of respect for TCU and the opponents he was playing against. And I don't think that gets enough credit when people talk about Deion Sanders. It's also worth noting, by the way, last year, Colorado only had two players with over 100 yards receiving in a single game. And this game alone against TCU, 
Colorado had four players that had over 100 receiving yards. Dylan Edwards had 135. Travis Hunter had 119. Xavier Weaver had 118. Jimmy Horn Jr. had 117. By the way, that's crazy how they're all one yard apart. Um, It's just really important to repeat that not only is there a bunch of great players at Colorado, which they are, but this is not just a collection of all-star players recruited by a great coach. This is not just a talented football team. Deion Sanders is a great coach. They're very well coached. They're disciplined. And I just think that distinction really matters. It's easy to say, well, yeah, he got a bunch of great players. They've recruited well and they collected a lot of talent, but it's not just that. Like what really stood out about Colorado was their discipline and their execution and no false starts, running the right routes, being in the right spot all game long. It's incredible to me. And then another moment that stands out is that TCU ran the ball for 262 yards in this football game. For most of the game, TCU did whatever they wanted running the football. Then on the final drive, and you can accuse TCU if you want of abandoning the run. I think that's possible. But on that final drive, they had 12 plays that resulted in a turnover on downs. They ran the ball three times for two yards on that final drive. And Joel Klatt was saying, you can't abandon the run. I understand that. I kind of agree. You should probably ask Kendall Bryles, the TCU offensive coordinator, why they didn't try to run the ball more on that final drive. But in the final four plays on offense for TCU, they ran the ball in first and 10, then second and nine. They got one total yard. They did try running the ball on that final drive, and every time they got shut down for one yard or less. So to me, what really stands out is that on that final drive, despite getting crushed all game long when TCU wanted to run the football. On that final drive, when it really mattered most, Colorado's defense stepped up and shut down the TCU running game. It's just compelling, man. It's so hard not to be excited and root incredibly hard for Colorado. Um, It's funny, they're not part of the Big 12 yet. And next year in 2024, Colorado will be a Big 12 team, but this was a classic Big 12 game. Colorado against TCU. They win 45-42. To me, Colorado is going to fit really, really well into the Big 12, and I can't wait to see what happens. Um, I want to give a shout-out to one of one thing that made watching this game more fun was the broadcasters, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. Uh, they're a rare pair where I would say that they are truly the best on the planet at what they do. And it's very rare that happens that you get those two working together. The very best play-by-play guy and the very best analyst are a partner. I want to tell you, I've got a list of four people that I'm I'm sure it'll grow as time goes on. But right now, there are four people that are just very clearly and obviously the best in the world at their specific role revolving around football. The best best play-by-play guy on the planet walking the face of the earth is Gus Johnson. The best analyst walking the face of the earth is Joel Klatt. The very best off-season quarterback coach, quarterback coach, trainer, whatever you want to call it, Jordan Palmer is the best quarterback coach on the planet. And then I would also mention Pat McAfee as the best live entertainer or hype man. He's great on college game day and a lot of respect for Pat. Those four are the best on the planet at their specific role involving football. And the fact that two of them work together Every single week is special, and I just can't say enough good things. It's crazy, like, how much better watching a Fox broadcast is than ESPN. You know, watching week one of college football, we saw 
ESPN tiptoeing around, barely even mentioning the fact that the Pac-12 was going to fall apart. In fact, they went out of their way to not mention it. Fox clearly does not care. They have no fear of pissing off or offending the Pac-12. They talked openly about the end of the Pac-12 and where all the teams are going. And it's refreshing to watch a broadcast where it's a little more open and you're actually free to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And, uh, you know, Fox is just a better company. I, I prefer them to ESPN in a heartbeat. I much prefer watching their broadcasts. Uh, I worked for both. Fox treats their employees great. ESPN is stuffy and very, very controlling, and I'm not a fan of them. And it, it, you know, unfortunately, as a fan now watching on TV, it comes through the television screen that Fox is just a better company that's more open and more willing to uh, support their employees talking about stuff that is more important and relevant than ESPN. And that's just sad but true. Uh, So to me, let's kind of recap everything that stood out watching Colorado beat number 17 TCU 45 to 42. First of all, Colorado's got dudes, man. They've got Shadur Sanders at quarterback, Travis Hunter, who's a corner and a receiver playing both sides of the ball. It's the most incredible thing I've seen basically in my lifetime watching college football. If he does that all year long, I don't care what video game numbers another quarterback does in college football. Travis Hunter should win the Heisman Trophy if he does what he did week one all year long. Playing 120 snaps, 129 in this game. An interception, catching 11 passes, 119 yards. That's a Heisman Trophy winner. If he can duplicate that for 12 games, she win Heisman Trophy winner, in my opinion. Uh, Dylan Edwards, great running back at Colorado. He's awesome. You got to pay attention to him. It's not just a collection of great players, though. Colorado showed they're disciplined and well-coached. That is how they beat TCU. It's incredible. We're only one game in, but if they, I mean, look, I don't know how the rest of the year is going to go. They could fall apart tomorrow. I don't see that happening. Maybe the risk is they get a little bit too big for their britches, get overconfident. I don't know. But to me, what I see, my prediction for the rest of the year at Colorado, like going into week one, going into that first game, you don't know what to expect from Colorado. Anyone who bet on the money line that they were a 20-point underdog, you were guessing. You truly had no idea. Now we've seen one game. We've got a bit of evidence to kind of work from. And to me, I see a great football team. And they're going to be even better next year at Colorado. But at minimum, at minimum, Colorado is going to win six to eight games this year and go to a bowl game, maybe more, which would be, I'll tell you what, I watched that, that game. I just got this feeling I was watching something special. I don't know whether Deion Sanders is going to play coach for 20 years at Colorado. I could see him coaching for five years at Colorado, maybe three building them up to a great program, and then stepping away, going to an SEC program where there's more money and even easier to get better recruits and maybe better weather. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I felt like I was watching the beginning of something special. And if Dion does what I think he can do at Colorado, it would be the best hire we've seen in college football in years. I mean, it's just a genius move. What Colorado did, hiring Dion from Jackson State, then getting themselves into, they were the first team to get into the Big 12. They they jumped ship before Utah and Arizona State and Arizona did. Um, Colorado looks well run. They hired a great head coach. They're changing things. And this could be basically the most influential hire in college football in the last decade. I mean, it's just really, Deion Sanders is, feels like he's going to change everything at Colorado. Uh, they play Matt Rule and Nebraska next week. Matt Rule's in year one at Nebraska Dion's in year one at Colorado. It's two first-year coaches. I believe that 
Dion's going to crush Nebraska, to be totally honest. He's got more talented players. He's a better recruiter. He's a more magnanimous. He's a better motivator. Um, I like Matt Rule. I respect him. But I think he's about to get his – he's going to get rocked. I mean, I, I really think – Nebraska plays at Colorado next week. That's a loss coming for Nebraska. I feel bad for them. And uh, it's going to be embarrassing and, and a problem. Um, the big question really is, I, I think Colorado's going to win six to eight games, maybe better if things go just really, really well all year long. I mean, their offensive line certainly looks better than I thought. The defense concerns me a little bit. But the big question is, can Colorado steal a win from USC, Oregon, or Utah? The three high-level big programs right now in college football. In, in, sorry, in the Pac-12, excuse me. Uh, Colorado does not play Washington. They play Washington State, but not University of Washington. So they dodge a bullet there. But uh, in September, Colorado plays USC and Oregon back-to-back on back-to-back weekends. I'm rooting for them hard, but I'm wondering... I mean, that'll be really where we learn how good Colorado is. They might dominate the lower-level programs in the Pac-12, and that's great for them. They've actually got a fairly manageable schedule other than those three games, USC, Oregon, and Utah. But if they can steal a win from one of those three programs, I would go, whoa. Now, they play Utah at the very end of the year, way down the line. That's time for a lot of injuries to happen. I could see Utah getting banged up. I could see Colorado getting even better as the year goes on. Maybe they steal a win there. But the really interesting benchmark for Colorado is going to be when they play Oregon and USC back-to-back September 23rd and September 30th. We are going to learn a lot there about Colorado, and uh, I really hope they win one of those, if not both games. I mean, I don't—them <laughs> beating both teams seems absurd. They might lose badly to both, but I'm going to be watching. It's going to be really fascinating, and it's going to do really big numbers, especially if Colorado next weekend dominates Nebraska. Man, it's going to make those games—it's so sad. The Pac-12 is just— the most interesting conference in college football right now, and not just because they're coming to an end, but because it feels like you've got, like, so much depth. I mean, I think there are seven teams out of the 12 that potentially could win the conference. That's crazy, let alone there's, like, nine really good quarterbacks in in the Pac-12. I mean, oh, it's so disappointing. And uh, I wish that the Pac-12 was better run and could have stayed together. It's better that they're separating. I think, I don't know, I have no idea, but... Certainly, um, this final year of the Pac-12 is going to be the best year we've seen probably ever watching the Pac-12 even or the Pac-10 football. It's going to be amazing and uh, a bloodbath, super competitive and really, really fun to watch. Now, um, I want to talk about North Carolina against South Carolina. I have considerably less to say. I'm less excited. I am less passionate about it. Uh, But North Carolina beat South Carolina 31 to 17 on Saturday I watched in week one, the SEC lost two big non-conference games. Florida lost to Utah. South Carolina lost to an ACC opponent, North Carolina. That's not great. Now, the big intrigue going into the game was the quarterback matchup, Spencer Rattler against Drake May. The big story during the game, however, was that North Carolina dominated up front on both sides of the ball, running the ball on offense and getting out for the quarterback on defense uh, takeaway number one from this game is that it's going to be a very, very, very long season for South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler. 
He got sacked nine times on Saturday. He was constantly under pressure. He often had no chance, and that was against an ACC program, let alone later in the year when they play Georgia or Tennessee or Texas A&M or any other litany of other SEC programs with better athletes. I mean, it's going to be a horrifying year for South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler. Literally on the day, South Carolina had negative two yards rushing for the entire game. That's that's all bad. That's horrible. Um, and I would say that this game was an impossible situation for South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler. I would say that in spite of the horrible situation with a disaster on the offensive line, he played actually pretty well. In fact, he played about as good as you can in a miserable situation. Spencer Rattler was 30 for 39 passing at 353 yards. Here's the big one. Zero turnovers. He did not turn over the ball one time. And he didn't make a bad situation worse with bad decisions or bad throws or horrible mistakes. And I really respect that. I mean, I really respect a guy who doesn't make a bad situation even worse. I know that's really difficult to do when you have no help and you're getting obliterated. You want to start taking shots. You want to make riskier throws. And he didn't fall into that. We didn't see any bad habits in Spencer Rattler. I just watched him and felt bad for him on Saturday, to be totally honest. Um, In fact... He had nine incompletions, 30 for 39 passing. Some of those incompletions were just throwaways where he's trying to just run for his life and make something happen and get the ball out of bounds. I just repeat this. It's really tough to play quarterback when your offensive line is that much of a disaster. So I want to make a prediction. Let's assume that South Carolina is going to be garbage all year long because they have some injuries week one. The offensive line was a disaster. They had mistakes. At one point on the goal line, (laughs) this is unbelievable. South Carolina had 13 players on defense on the goal line. Not not 12, not one extra, but two extra. 13 players on the goal line, and North Carolina still ran for a touchdown. You had more players than you're supposed to have on defense, and you didn't even get a stop. That's how bad South Carolina is up front on both sides of the ball. It's hard to win when you're terrible up front. That's what South Carolina looked like week one. So I want to make a prediction about Spencer Rattler, their quarterback, because... To me, South Carolina's got a bad team. So I think Spencer Rattler is going to be a second-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. I view him as a first-round talent. However, he did have some maturity issues in high school. Um, He lost his job at Oklahoma. That's not nothing. So there's baggage in the past. He's going to have a bad year this year. It's really hard to draft a quarterback in the first round when they've had issues in the past and they're coming off of a bad year. But I really believe this wholeheartedly. Spencer Rattler could be a steal in the second round of the NFL draft in 2024. If he goes to like New England, who's got Mac Jones, who's good, but not super talented. Let's say this immediately. Spencer Rattler's got a better arm than Mac Jones. If he goes to New England or Vegas or the 49ers, can you imagine Spencer Rattler coached by Kyle Shanahan? They find another guy in the draft who just can play at a high level. An embarrassment of riches at quarterback there. Uh, Denver's a good option where Denver's got Russell Wilson. They need a cheap quarterback because if Russ is bad, they got to find a way to replace him. And how do you do that in the first round? You don't. But if you draft Spencer Rattler in Denver, that could be your way out of Russell Wilson uh, with Spencer Rattler as a second round pick in Denver. There are some notable quarterbacks who've been drafted in the second round. Here are just a couple of them. Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Jalen Hurts, you ever heard of that guy? Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith, Andy Dalton. You can find a high-level quarterback in the second round. Russell Wilson was actually a third-round pick. 
I think Spencer Rattler is going to fall to the second round of the NFL draft and be an absolute steal from whatever team drafts him. I know that's crazy to say that after one game, but I'm telling you, I think South Carolina is going to have a rough year. So a bad year from their quarterback with baggage in the past. He's not going to be a first-round pick, but I do think he's a first-round talent that if he was on a better team this year that would allow him to showcase what he can do, he probably could become a first-round pick. Unfortunately, South Carolina is not that. So Spencer Rattler, my prediction, will be a second-round pick in the 2024 draft and then be a massive steal from whatever team takes him. Um, also, shout-out to Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett is a receiver at South Carolina. In this game against North Carolina, he had nine catches for 178 yards. This is a player stepping up massively in their second— sorry, I guess in their final year, his senior year of college football. Xavier Leggett is stepping up in a big way. In 2020 and 2021, he had fewer catches and yards than this game alone. And last year, Xavier Leggett had 18 catches for 167 yards and three touchdowns. He had more yards in this game than he had all of last year. Xavier Leggett looks like a number one receiver after one game. And uh, to me, that deserves a round of applause because that's a guy who is obviously been working really hard and really stepped up to play at a higher level. Shout out to Xavier Leggett. Uh, it was a miserable day for South Carolina, but cool story there. Our young receiver going into his senior year who worked really hard and clearly got much, much better for the fall. Now, uh, let's talk about really probably the highlight of this game. North Carolina quarterback Drake May was 24 for 32 passing against South Carolina, had 269 yards, two touchdowns, one, uh, two interceptions, not one, but two. Um, one touchdown pass was kind of a prayer. He threw up to a tight end who made a great play. Uh, not a, actually to me, not a great decision. Actually, if I'm totally honest, like he kind of just threw it up for grabs and threw up a 50, 50 ball that got caught. Um, he had two interceptions. Both interceptions were on him. One was a throw rolling to the right receiver. Wasn't really open defender undercut. Another was a back shoulder fade where he just didn't quite throw it back shoulder enough. It got tipped in the air and picked off. Um, here is the thing about Drake may. When I watch Drake May, I see Justin Herbert. I see a big athlete with a great arm who's six foot four, 230 pounds, got similar mechanics to Justin Herbert, and by the way, can run with power really well. He reminds me so much. It's not even funny how much Drake May reminds me of Justin Herbert when he was at Oregon. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but let me just say it, get it out there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick. He will be and should be. But I, I do believe that there should at least be a conversation whether Drake May should be the number one pick instead of Caleb Williams. It should at least, the conversation should happen. I'm not saying the pick should be made there. But, you know, I, if I were an NFL team, I would not want to miss on the next Justin Herbert. 
That's what I think Drake May is. Drake May gives me flashbacks of watching Justin Herbert at Oregon. And Caleb Williams has better teammates, is going to have bigger numbers, crazy video game numbers, make insane runs, all this kind of stuff. But who's a bigger athlete? Who's got better coaching? Caleb Williams. Drake May is a better athlete with not as good a coaching, not as much help at North Carolina. I think if you get Drake May to the NFL, where he's going to get better NFL coaching, have better teammates, he's going to be a stud, very similar to the jump that Justin Herbert made. And I just, I, I can't say enough. When I watch Drake May, I just see Justin Herbert 2.0. Size, mechanics, ability to run everything. And I, if I'm an NFL team, man, especially if Arizona gets a number one pick and you your last quarterback, Kyler Murray, was a smaller quarterback who could move around. I, I don't know that it makes sense. It, maybe it's kind of unfair to say, well, like, that's also what Caleb Williams is, the smaller quarterback who runs around and makes plays, but that's kind of true. And so it's worth considering. It's worth considering. Should Drake May be the number one pick rather than Caleb Williams? I know that's blasphemous. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for that. But if Drake May is Justin Herbert, you want to miss on that? You, do you? Uh, you know, I... Not it's not necessarily how, how do I say this? Physical ability at the NFL levels is higher. So if you're winning running around, you're probably gonna win a little less running the football. Is it possible Caleb Williams' separation isn't quite as much in the NFL as when he's running around in college? Who's got a stronger arm? I think Drake May. Who's got better coaching? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams has a lot of factors making him look way better. Better teammates, better coaching more help. He's going to put up insane numbers because of the offense that USC runs. Uh, man, I, I just, I'm telling you, keep that like little tab open in your brain. The idea that, Hey, Drake may, mm, that's a, that's a, that's maybe a number one pick at, at North Carolina. I know that sounds crazy. I know he had two interceptions, but I'm telling you, I watched Justin Herbert at Oregon have not great coaching not a ton of help at receiver. Go to the NFL, get better coaching, have better receivers, and become a superstar. I wouldn't want to miss out on that again. I think Drake May is a really good player that is going to improve in the NFL with better coaching and better teammates. So um, it's worth noting. I just, I, <laughs> someone, if you want to have fun on YouTube, look up a video of Justin Herbert playing at Oregon and then go watch Drake May highlights. You're like, that's the same mechanics. That's the same person. Are you sure they're not related? It's crazy. Um, now between now and next episode, I got a couple things I want to do. Um, I really want to, I haven't watched yet the, I meant to, I forgot to, and I was midway through the show realizing, oh crap, I forgot to watch that. I would like to go watch the Deion Sanders postgame press conference, uh, after beating TCU, pull out whatever interesting things he had to say there. Talk about that. I want to watch Drew Aller, the Penn state quarterback. Uh, he's 19 years old. He was 21 for 29, passing for 325 yards and three touchdowns against West Virginia. I don't know. I got to watch it, but maybe that's a really good quarterback at Penn State. DJ Uyungle had a great game against San Jose State for Oregon State. I want to watch that. I want to watch LSU Florida State. It's going to be a very busy week because college football is kicking off. The NFL starts on Thursday. I got to do predictions round two. I got to finish a film analysis video I'm working on for Kenny Pickett. I want to do predictions for NFL week one. I have got a lot of stuff on my plate. I want to make probably a video and episode every week this week. But man, it's going to be an exciting, really fun week of episodes and of shows. And uh, 
man, I just think next episode is going to be really special and really fun. Now, before we end the show, I want to end with one question from Patreon. Patreon.com slash Zach Schaumler. If you want to submit questions on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee. I look at every single write-in with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read on the show. Patreon.com slash Zach Schaumler. That is where Rhett wrote in. Rhett Bartolini, I believe. I don't normally read people's last names, but that's such a cool last name. Rhett, if I, uh, I mean, you, you post with your last name. If I outed you somehow, I apologize, but Rhett Bartolini, that's a very cool last name. Rhett writes in, says, first time ever writing in, but I've watched since lockdowns of 2020. Thank you, Rhett. I appreciate you. Rhett says, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame this year? Playoffs, question mark? Sam Hartman for Heisman, question mark? We have Ohio State and USC at home and Clemson away eventually. Winnable games this year, for sure, I'd say, especially Ohio State and Clemson. Thanks for your hard work. Love your content. It's really interesting. You think the Ohio State game is more winnable than USC. Um, I actually think... I would rather play USC than Ohio State. USC's defense is garbage. <laughs> um, I, Rhett, I'm in a wait-and-see mode when it comes to Notre Dame. Um, you know, they, they're 2-0. Notre Dame beat Navy. Ooh, Navy! But they beat Navy 42-3. Then they beat Tennessee State 56-3. You can't really learn anything from that. You're like, well, I mean, yeah, you're, you're dominating lesser opponents. But um, I have been hearing from people that, you know, they got a really special team this year at Notre Dame. I love, 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 love Sam Hartman, Notre Dame's quarterback. Dude transferred in from Wake Forest and one final year of college football. I think he's a future NFL quarterback, potentially a first-round pick. Uh, now, unfortunately, Sam Hartman's not going to win the Heisman Trophy for this reason alone. He's just not going to have video game numbers playing at Notre Dame. I mean, compared to other quarterbacks throughout college football that play in systems that allow them to have bigger numbers and do more crazy stuff— they're more of a pro-style system at Notre Dame. He's going to run the ball a lot, uh, a lot of play action, a lot of stuff under center. He's just not going to have gaudy video game numbers at Notre Dame at quarterback like Caleb Williams will at USC or Michael Penix Jr. at Washington or Bo Nix at Oregon or all these other quarterbacks that play in systems that, you know, throw the ball at a higher volume and do more crazy stuff. But I think Sam Hartman is going to be a really good quarterback and a potential NFL quarterback. Um I'm just kind of in a wait-and-see mode. September 23rd, that is when Notre Dame plays currently ranked number three Ohio State. We're going to learn a lot from that. That's going to be the prove-it game where we're like, hey, how good is Notre Dame? If they win that game, then I would say, actually, they're probably favorites to beat USC on October 14th. Again, if you can score a lot of points against USC, which you probably can, you're going to beat them because the defense at USC is garbage. And I, I expect heavily that Notre Dame-USC October 14th that's going to be a shootout and going to be really fun. That's a right now USC is ranked number six. Uh, Clemson is ranked number nine. They play at Clemson November fourth. Um, but Rhett, re, let's revisit this after Notre Dame plays Ohio State because that's really what we'll learn. Where, where we will learn how good Notre Dame truly is. But if they beat Ohio State convincingly or not, it's going to be an impressive statement win for me. That will go okay. Ding ding ding. Notre Dame's legit. Time to start believing in them. Because if they can beat, I mean, let's be honest about it. If you can go on the road, beat Clemson, beat USC and Ohio State at Notre Dame, that's probably a Notre Dame college football playoff appearance. If you can go undefeated and win those three games, bam. To me, 
you're one of the best four teams in college football and deserve to be in the college football playoffs. So there's potential for that to happen, definitely, Rhett. But let's wait until after the Ohio State game on September 23rd to really make a determination. So that will be everything. How does Notre Dame play against Ohio State later in this month? Uh, Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to me ramble. How long did we go for? (laughs) Dude, an hour. We, how, how is that possible? How is that? Po- I, I thought for sure, got to be a short episode. I guess I talked for like 50 minutes about, <laughs> how long did I talk about Colorado? I have no idea. It must have been an absurd amount of time. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. I'm going to go have margaritas, hang out with my girlfriend. Last day I'm going to see her literally until February. She lives in the mainland. I live in Hawaii. She flies home tomorrow morning. I love you. I appreciate you. I will talk to you later. Have a great day. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done.